Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I started using this idea of strategic presence, which is looking at how do I bring my whole self into my workplace and draw on different parts of myself to adapt my presence to meet the the message and the audience in that situation. Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is another beautiful day here in North Carolina, and this episode is brought to you by our sponsors, Ignite Management Services and Liberty Strength. These sponsors help me bring these shows to you each and every week, so I encourage you to click on their links below and check them out. Also, I want to remind you that the Qualified Leadership Book Series, which includes all three of my best-selling leadership books, is now available on my website, johnsrenny.com. You get all three books for 15% off the Amazon and Barnes & Noble price, but this offer is only available on my website. Now, this is the perfect Christmas gift for the leader or future leader in your family. So check it out at johnsrenny.com. Well, that is it. Today, we're going to be talking about effective leadership communications, and my guest is Jacqueline Farrington. Jacqueline is an expert on how to spark transformation and innovation through great communications. One of the things we discussed is the concept of strategic presence, which I found fascinating. This was an eye-opening conversation with practical advice that you can use this week. So are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Jacqueline Farrington. Jacqueline has over 20 years of experience as a change maker, empowering leaders and their teams to spark transformation and innovation through communications. She's the founder and president of Farrington Partners, where she works with senior and board-level leaders. She is known for her refreshingly direct, yet supportive and science-backed approach. She is the award-winning author of The Non-Obvious Guide to Better Presentations, how to present like a pro virtually or in person. And I'm excited to have her on the show to learn the importance of communication and influence for leaders. So Jacqueline, welcome to the show. Jonathan, thank you for having me. I, I have to say that when you said welcome, that resonant voice came out. <laughs> <It was laughs> well, 
thank you very much. And, and you know, it's funny because uh, I always tell people that you have to find your voice and everything and anything you do that's new. And I tell you what, it, in, in podcasting four years ago, I did not have that voice. So I think just, have, you know, doing a lot and meeting people like you and getting a chance to, to share this information. Uh, yeah, I've been I've been able to get the welcome down. So thanks for noticing. <laughs> So uh, I'm excited to have you on the show. I want to talk about uh, this idea of communication, the idea of influence. Um, but before we dive into your book and some of the things you, you teach leaders to do, tell us about uh, Farrington Partners. Uh, what is it that you do and why do leaders specifically seek you out? Yes, we are usually brought in to help organizations deliver tough changes, digital transformations, culture change, acquisitions, things like that. And so we work at the intersection of leadership, communications, and change. By that, I mean that often we're running change management on one of those changes, or we're just supporting leaders in their communications around the change. And by that, I mean we might be supporting them on communication strategies or just how they show up when they communicate around those changes. And then, of course, along with that goes hand in hand with leadership. And, and so we support leaders in executive coaching and leadership development programs and, and coaching programs. Okay, fantastic. So, and, and one thing I'll touch on and is, is what you just, just said, and that's uh, leading change and, and leading change initi initiatives. It's one of the most difficult things that we do as leaders. It's one of the most important things we do. And you just touched on one of the big parts of change is communication. And so what are some of the things that you help leaders do when they're, you know, in, when embarking on big changes? What are some elements of that communication plan? What does it include? Is it, is it all employee meetings? Is it uh, written communication? What are some of those uh, tools that, that those leaders use? It can be those things, and, and certainly those are important. I, I To me, those fall under more change management, okay. and that those are often the levers that we use, the, the tools that we use to deliver change in organization. What I think a lot of organizations overlook is this idea of speaking to hearts as well as minds. Mm -hmm. And so with that comes... Yes, messaging, certainly the, the content, the words that you're using and your strategy and using those words, but then also how do you speak to employee hearts? How do you articulate the benefits of adopting the change or the risks that people will avoid by adopting the change? Not just the organization, but individuals down at the grassroots level, individuals and, and teams or in some cases, the risks that they may face if they don't adopt the change. So it's bringing in that emotional component as well. And, and how do we understand the universal human emotional response to change? And then how do we communicate to that and, and meet people halfway along that continuum? This is really interesting because I've done, you know, some study on studies on leading change and you know, if you look at John Cotter's approach, it's a very systematic way. It's a very minds-oriented. It's, it's, you know, so you talk about hearts and minds. It's definitely minds-focused. Like, how do you do this? Very specific. But it misses out on the hearts issue. And when people go through a change, they lose something. And 
So they're, they, they have a world that they know, and they're going into a world that they don't know. And we as humans don't like the unknown. Um, so the heart, speaking to the heart is a big issue because you're going into something that they don't know. So, so I probably answered that question, but why is it important that we speak to the heart? I, I just, I love that. And I don't hear people talking about it. So why, why speak to the heart? Why is that important? Yeah. I, and I, I think that you raise something crucial in terms of we're letting go of the old way. We're moving towards an uncertain future. And in the middle of that is, of course, that, that very technical term that change practitioners or psychologists use to, to describe it. it. It's called chaos or, or crazy time. <laughs> yes. When yes. we're in between the two. Yeah. One of the most fundamental reasons why it's so important to, to speak to hearts is that if people don't feel that their leaders, that their their organization understand and get where they are in the, the midst of that change cycle, good luck trying to get them to change. And unfortunately, while you may want to move some people out of your organization, you'll also hemorrhage the talent that you do want to keep if you're not able to recognize hey, there's some grieving that goes on here. There's a lot of fear. There's some depression. Um, people can move into crisis. And if we're not able to recognize that, understand that, meet people halfway, and speak to their reasons for adopting the change. You know, organizations and leaders will often be very clear from their perspective on why this change needs to happen. And of course, it's to benefit the organization. But people don't change for our reasons or for the organization's reasons. They change for their own reasons. And that's where it's so crucial to speak to both hearts and minds. One of the things I like about what you said earlier is that it's not just a, the PowerPoint presentation, the the, the memo that you put out, it's the one-on-one -on -one conversations because I think everybody deals with change differently. And so I think knowing where people are at, especially your key people, where's your head at? You know, where's your heart at? Uh, what, are, what, are you, what are you worried about? Because you are going through some sort of a loss. And, uh, and you know, what, what are your concerns and worries? And I think that, that happens on the one-on-one -on -one basis, not in the memos or the, you know, the, the, the big you know, a company-wide presentation that you put out. That's, that, that doesn't happen there. It's the one-on-one. -on -one. And it's also teaching the layers of leadership to be able to have those conversations. Um, yeah. If you're, you know, doing a big organizational change, the CEO can't handle all those conversations. So that means he's got to, he or she has got to empower the people all the way down the line to have those deep conversations. So, yeah, I, I like this idea of hearts and minds. And it's, Again, I think we we spent at least my experience twenty two years in corporate was a lot more mind speaking than than heart speaking. We yes. we were sort of like suck it up. This is what's happening. You're like okay, yeah. suck it up. So, so. And it's putting the the data out there, and and you you do need to have both. Absolutely, yeah. those yeah. are important. But if you are only reliant on the data and you're not recognizing where people are, and by the way, recognizing that that people will go through a sense of loss even with positive changes. Yes, yes. I think that's one thing I see organizations forget. They think, well, this is a positive change, and so we're just going to announce it and boom, one and done. 
Well, no, that's not how human beings experience change. And so even with positive changes, they are still going to go through that that universal change curve of anger and denial and fear and depression. Uh, now, they might go through it a little faster if it's a positive change, but they'll still go through it. And so it's important that organizations and leaders recognize that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's it's a, such an important point. We think the change for the good is everyone's going to get it. And and believe me, I've fallen in that trap before too. And then I notice people are still upset. I'm like, why are you upset? This is going to be much better. You know, like I like the old way, you know, and, and I was used to it. I was comfortable. It's, you know, it's again, we're taking people out of their comfort zone and we don't like it. And why should we not expect that people, you know, would not, would have, have trouble go, leaving their comfort zone, even if it's something that we're making like a system I've done or the system, the new system so much better than the old system. Yeah, but I like the, I like the old system. I knew how to use it. I knew what to do every morning. Now I don't know what to do, you know, and I'm uncomfortable. So yeah, maybe, absolutely. Very important point. Yeah. And maybe I didn't like the old system. Maybe I hated it. Right. Right. It's going to take a lot of work to learn the new system. And I'm going to have to go through that crazy time of trying to figure that out, which is uncomfortable. And so we don't like that. And then it's important that leaders, this is another thing I see them miss on change, is that then leaders understand how to speak to hearts in terms of motivating and reinforcing that change for the long term so that it sticks. So if I'm looking at a new system, maybe I've actually learned the system, I've I've used it, I've, I've adopted it, but as time goes on, I'm cutting corners. I'm not quite using it in the way that I should be using it yeah. or could be using it to be most effective within my company. And that's where leaders then may need to step in and motivate, inspire people to experiment, to use that new system in a way that's most effective for the company. That yeah, makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. So one thing... Um, Part of communication, effective communication is presence. Uh, There's a term called executive presence you hear used quite a bit. You say you don't like it and you think it's time that we start using a different term. So uh, what's the problem with executive presence and what should we be saying instead? Executive presence tends to be very confusing to a lot of people, limiting. Years ago, when I started doing what I do, a little over 20 years ago, Nobody really talked about presence. Yeah. Now, that's how, how long I've been doing this, but nobody really talked about presence. It was more, they, they might address personal impact. And then as presence became more common and then suddenly it moved from presence to executive presence. Well, most of the time that meant and still does mean, here's this holy grail of how you need to show up. And it usually has something to do with being assertive, with being charismatic. Um, and it's often set by the dominant culture, the, the leaders at, at the top. And at least in the United States, that's often white males. So it's a, it's a very Western white male model of, of leadership. And so because of that, it's been accused of, of being a very exclusive term and not inclusive. It doesn't really address the fact that we live in a world now where we are global, we are multicultural, we have all kinds of different leadership styles. 
and all kinds of different cultural values at play in our in our workplaces. And so uh, I started using this idea of strategic presence, mm. which is looking at how do I bring my whole self into my workplace and draw on different parts of myself to adapt my presence to meet the the message and the audience in that situation. I love that because I think you're right. And I think executive presence came out after I left corporate because I don't remember anyone talking about it. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I, I I do believe in the importance of presence. In other words, you have to be there, right? Uh, but the idea of being there in a way that's most effective for what you are for your audience that you're, that you're at. I think that makes a lot of sense to me because I think sometimes when we're talking to a group of engineers, you're going to talk differently than the group of people on the shop floor to, to different to the call center people, uh, different to, um, you know, uh, just every person, every group is going to have, they require slightly different messaging. Like you mentioned, uh, overseas, I've, I've led international teams, and, and yeah, there's there's major culture differences between different, you know, a- Italians versus uh, the, the Swiss, the Swedish are different, the Finnish are different, our folks in Mexico are a lot different, Canadians are different. So just having that ability to be proper with, or be, be present and, and have the right messaging for your audience, I think is, that makes a lot more sense to me. Yes, and, and if you think about any leader's typical day. I, I work with a lot of C-suite leaders. So, so let's say a, a business owner, an entrepreneur, if you are dealing in the, the morning with your board and then you have a meeting with your leadership team and then you have another meeting with a member of your leadership team who has a, a newborn at home, really feeling overwhelmed, possibly thinks that they need to take some time off, but wow, you can't lose them in, in the business. Yeah. And maybe you've got an all hands meeting. Well, what's re- if you show up in the exact same way in all of those different meetings with all of those different audiences, it, it might serve you. It, it might. You also may risk alienating some people. You may risk coming across as inflexible, as, as rigid. And those are just meetings. That's then not even talking about um, the other things that get thrown at business owners Right. So dealing with any kind of curveballs that come your way, um, challenges that come your way. And so the idea of strategic presence then is asking yourself, okay, what part of me do I need to amplify with this audience in order to help them hear this message? Because if I show up with my board in the same way that I show up with my employee who's struggling with a newborn at home, some somebody in one of those two meetings that, that my message is not going to land. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. As a leader, you're responsible for the mission and the people assigned to you. Regardless of the size of your team, employees are depending on you for their lives and careers. For the sake of your team and the people who entrust you with this role, you need to master the skills to become a great leader. Best-selling leadership author John Rennie is proud to introduce the Qualified Leadership Book Series. This new series teaches you how to become a people-centered leader. Great leaders know that employees who are respected, appreciated, and allowed to grow will go the extra mile. 
These books provide real-world leadership wisdom written from a hands-on perspective. If you want to be a more effective leader, this is the one book series you should read this year. This three-book series contains the following best-selling leadership books. I Have the Watch, You Have the Watch, and All in the Same Boat for one low price of $39.99. Begin your journey to become a leader worth following. Go to johnsrenny.com and get your order in today. This episode is brought to you by Ignite Management Services. Ignite is led by Mike Watson, who you might remember from episode 137. Mike and his team believe that everything starts with leadership, whether it's strategy execution or cultural transformation. It's the role of the leader to create the conditions for their people to succeed. The team at Ignite can help you develop critical habits to enhance your leadership capability and transform your business. Ignite Management is now offering the Resilient Leadership Assessment Tool. This is an online questionnaire designed to assess and guide leadership development, coaching, and team building. It provides leaders an opportunity to gain insights into their leadership strengths and development needs. After taking this assessment, you will receive a custom detailed report that provides practical and actionable recommendations to enhance your effectiveness. I have taken this assessment myself and found it to be extremely valuable in helping me make changes to my leadership approach. Right now, Ignite is offering 15% off the price of this tool to the deep leadership audience. Go to ignitemanagement.ca and enter the code START15 at checkout to get started today. This episode is brought to you by Jeremy Clevenger at Liberty Strength. As a high-performing leader, you know that leadership isn't about telling people what to do. It's about leading by example. And for most people, the one area that they are lacking when it comes to leading by example is their health and fitness. By improving your health and fitness, every other area of your life improves. Your energy skyrockets, your sleep improves, your confidence increases, and more. But how can you get and stay fit as a busy leader? Well, you do what you've always done. You hire the best people for the job. Don't struggle on your own. Put liberty strength in your corner. Jeremy and his team will work with you to take your physique, mindset, nutritional habits, and more to the next level with his step-by-step, all-inclusive coaching program. I've worked with Liberty Strength for the past two years, and I'm in the best shape of my life, and I'm still hitting strength personal records at 56 years old. If you want to step up your game, reach out to Jeremy at libertystrengthtx.com to find out more and get your initial consultation scheduled with him today. Yeah, I love that. I think it's really important. Again, it goes back to this idea of of who know, you know, I think leadership has to be individual. Like we have to we have to lead each each person as they need to be led. And I think it's the same thing with the audiences. We need to make sure we we are communicating to our audience. What what does our audience want to hear? I I often tell the story of, you know, uh, I I did all employee meetings with manufacturing people for 20 of those 22 years. So I was always every month sitting in front of hourly employees talking about, you know, how the business was doing. And so I would do things like, uh, like for the scrap level for the month, instead of having a chart, because that, you know, this people are tired of charts. I would say this, you know, I, I put a picture of a Ford pickup truck. It's like, we scrapped so much material. We could have bought a Ford pickup truck, you know, and it's, and it was just the idea of like, oh, she, you know, like it was more relatable to, than a chart or a number because you spend $40,000 on scrap, it doesn't, it doesn't mean the same as, as, you know, so I think the idea was to try to find an, an effective message messaging for my audience. And it would change 
where I wouldn't show a picture of a pickup truck to my, if I was doing a business review with my bosses, right? Right. So, but I think that's the idea is like the, the information is staying the same, but you can deliver in a way that may be more impactful. Right. You wouldn't talk to your employees in the same way that you talk to your dog. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. And we do that in our family, right? We talk to our children a certain way, our spouse a different way, our parents in a different way. So we know how to do this. And this is normal human human communication. Yet somehow when we become boss, we, we say cookie cutter, everybody's the same. We have the same messaging and it doesn't work in human relationships. So we shouldn't work in business as well. So I really like this. This this makes a lot of sense to me. And it makes sense based on, you know, how I try to communicate, but but also where I've seen other leaders fail, which was the idea that they couldn't like customize their their approach. You know, they go to all employee meeting with hourly employees and show graphs and charts and, you know, and talk about gross margin and net margin and you're losing the whole crowd. They're gone. They're not hearing this, you know. So but so it probably think, works for the VC firm you're working with. Exactly. Yeah, it, it's perfect. That's what they need to hear. So, right. yeah, I love it. Um, so we're talking about a voice when we we introduced the show. You you like my voice uh, introducing the show, but you say that um, for leadership to leadership communication to be effective, leaders have to find and improve their voice. So what do you mean by that? Is it actually voice intonation or is it, is it messaging? So tell us a little bit about what that means as far as leaders have to leaders have to find and improve their voice. Well, I mean both. So the, yeah. there, there's the metaphorical voice, okay. the voice of me as a leader, my values, and what what I believe in, what I hold dear. And yes, then there's also the physical voice because yeah. the physical voice communicates the metaphorical voice. Okay, okay. So it is that, yeah. We, we communicate emotional intelligence or, or lack of emotional intelligence, sadly, through voice and nonverbal communication. And, and you see this every day when, when you see a leader standing up there who hasn't thought about their voice and they're either they're droning on and on or they're making everything sound exactly the same mm. and they're just kind of in, intoning it. And this is what we're going to do in, in Q4. We're going to do this. And then rolling out into Q1, we're going to do this. And there's there's no emotional messaging around the words. Mm. And the, the challenge with that is that in communication, at any given moment, there are two conversations happening. It's happening right now between you and I. There's the, the words that we're speaking. That's conversation one. Conversation two is the voice and the body language. If those two conversations are not aligned with one another, audiences are going to listen to conversation two, the voice and the body language, every single time. It doesn't matter what our words are. So voice metaphorical and physical are, are both crucial to successful leaders and to, to strong communicators because we communicate emotional intelligence through through our voice and our body language. It's interesting. I've, I've got to give a speech tomorrow morning. Um, it's uh, I've been asked to do a Veterans Day uh, presentation or at least a little speech uh, to an entire school from kindergarten through high school uh, in, in full of in, inside of a uh, uh, you know, a gymnasium type of thing, right? So, so, 
So, so how do you, you know, how do you craft a message that's going to resonate with little kids and, and high schoolers, right? And, and, and the teachers that are sitting around, you know, uh, you know, sitting through this assembly as well. So, and I yeah. think w- w- one of the things you just mentioned, and I've been thinking about is, is your voice, your in- intonation, your body language. It has to be to the point where people are going to pay attention, right? Because you know, they're tired or whatever. It's more, it's, it's early morning. They, they're in this, you know, they're taken out of their classrooms. Everybody's put in this big group and everyone's quiet. And there's, there's John on stage, some guy I never seen before. And he's, what is he saying? So, so I think it's, I think we, we don't think enough about it. We think, well, here's what the words I'm going to say, but it's more about how I'm going to say those words and how, how we can, uh, how I can get the message across in a way that resonates with this this audience that's going to be, you know, from, from young children to high schoolers. Yeah. I'm so glad you raised that because I, I all too often see leaders who will spend months and and I quite literally mean months working on their messaging, mm. working on the content. And they'll sit there with their entire executive communications team, hammering out this message and going after draft, after draft, after draft. And then they'll spend no time on how they deliver it. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's tragic because yeah. they not only will they not spend some time, they'll spend no time thinking about how they deliver it. And how you say what you say matters. It's the difference between being heard and not being heard or uh, having your words acted upon if, if you need to have your words acted on. Or not, yeah. And so, in in your case, uh, that's a that's quite a challenge because you've got what five year olds up through possibly eighteen year olds. Yes, <laughs> you want to keep the attention of the five year olds yeah. without sounding like you're patronizing the eighteen year olds. But then you don't want the the five year olds to, and of course they will. They'll be wiggling anyway. But you yeah. want to keep them from wiggling out the room. And that that's challenging. And and so one strategy for that that I, I think leaders can can do is uh to that's where the strategic present comes in to switch a little bit as you go through the talk. So you have yeah. nods to that part of your audience segmentation, and then you have nods to that part of your audience segmentation. And yeah. and it is a bit of a balancing act. But it's important to acknowledge and to to acknowledge both audience segments and and to try to reach both. Yeah, it's interesting because I've I've always done most of my talks are with like a, a group of people that are all on the same page. You know, like you know they're they're all business owners or they're all um they're they're new uh you know, they're 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 new new leaders or something they're all have a common thread that's so so it's easy to have a messaging around a common thread when you have a group that's so diverse like that so it's gonna be fun but i like i like the idea of sort of talking to both of the uh the the sort of age brackets that are th- maybe there's three age brackets in there but yeah it'll be fun so it's the first time i've talked to I, i've done a lot of presentations to high school students but not to the whole assembly like this so it'll be fun <laughs> so it's quite a range. Uh, yeah, it'll be fun. But uh, uh, you know, the interesting thing about that too, John, is that um, well, you can't you can't address the whole speech to the five year olds because the eighteen year olds will just right right completely be checked out. But often, when you have an audience like that, where you've got a range of 
knowledge around your topic or a range yeah, of expertise. Yeah. The the people who are more knowledgeable or have a, a greater depth of expertise around your topic will forgive you spending some time speaking to the the least knowledgeable denomination. Now, not right. the whole part of your presentation, but they they will be patient with with that. Yeah, usually. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah it'll be good. It, it's fun. It's, um, yeah, it's fun to do these things and fun to think about your audience as as kindergartners. <laughs> so it's not my typical crowd, so, <laughs> so it'll be fun. But, but um, thank you. Uh, you say that, um, you say that anyone um, can be a powerful communicator, though, so we can learn these skills. What are some ideas, maybe some tips or, or things you can share um, I know we we've got your your new book is out that the non obvious guide to better presentations. Uh, what are some elements that are in the book or some other areas where we can become powerful communicators? the The first step is self-awareness. And just as it is with being a good leader, powerful leader, you you've got to understand yourself first. Well, you've got to understand your habitual, way of communicating first mm-hmm. and what works for you, what doesn't work for you. So videotape yourself, hit that Zoom record button when when you're presenting virtually, speaking virtually. Uh, if you're leaving a voicemail message, hit the record button on your phone so you can listen to it and, and hear your voice and watch yourself and and figure out what you like about what you're doing. And you have to you have to at least name three things that you like because you will your brain will immediately go to this is everything that I'm doing that's wrong. <laughs> so try to force yourself to to identify three things that you like and then three things that you would like to change. But also ask for feedback mm-hmm. and ask for specific feedback. So watch yourself, listen to yourself first and then say to people rather than say can you give me some feedback on how I come across as a communicator? Ask things like, how would you describe me as a communicator and why? Mm. Or I watch myself on video. I feel like I talk too fast. What do you think? So you're getting really specific about the kind of feedback that you're soliciting. And then the other way to grow into a, a good communicator is to recognize that it's a lifelong commitment. You, you will never be stamped done, <laughs> ready for the factory floor, right? It is something that you will be working on the remainder of your life because you'll be coming into interactions with people who are challenging, who are different, and you'll have to then adapt, adjust to your audience. And, and so it's something that you're always going to be facing new communication challenges and you're always going to have to stay committed to improving. So those are the the two things that that I would say. I like that a lot. I like the idea of, of recording yourself or, you know, it, 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 because I think you can listen to it when, one of the things that when you start like this podcast, you know, in the beginning it was hard for me to listen to my own voice. Like, ah, oh, it sounds terrible, you know? And, and, but, Four years of doing it, like I've, I've sort of found like what what I like, what I don't like, how I like how how I question, you know, how I listen. Um, but I like you said, it's also, but also, it's a lifelong journey. It's a lifelong commitment. Like I I know I'll be a better interviewer 
next year. You know, 300 more episodes, I'm going to be a much better interviewer, right? So I think that we have to sort of like, it's okay to, you know, sometimes I would say it's okay to, to suck when you learn when you're doing something new because you're, you're, you're not good at it. So, but the way you get better at it is by practicing, by listening to feedback and, and, and working to improve. So record yourself, um, try to pick those three things you like, try to pick the th- three things you want to get better. Uh, and, and I think that you, you just keep doing it. And the more you do it, the better you get, you get at it. Um, so those are just some powerful pieces of advice. Um, so what are some other, like, you know, we're getting close to the end. Uh, one other final message would you like to leave with our listeners and maybe things from the book that we haven't talked about um, that, uh, that where we can be better at our communication, better at our presentation? You know, I wrote the book with the idea that I would give it to clients and say, read chapter seven, because that's what we're, where we need some help. And we'll talk about it tomorrow. And, and I, I think I talk about this in the book that commit to being 1% better, just 1% better, which is better than you were yesterday. So what's your 1% this week, this quarter, this year? And that's, of, of course, it's that, what's that book? The Compound Effect and yeah. Atomic Habits, two great, great books about building habits. That's how you build good communication habits. How do I just improve by 1%? So that, that's my, my final thought I would leave on that. And the book can help you with that. Absolutely. I think that's great. And, and again, uh, leaders, you're listening in, you probably think you're a great communicator. Uh, I would challenge you. <laughs> you you can get better. Uh, yeah. I can get better. I I have uh, I still I sometimes I, I listen to my speeches. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I wasn't. I thought it was great. Then I listened to it. There's a lot of things I missed. I listened to all these podcast episodes, and I cringe sometimes when I when I uh, you know just ask ask stupid questions or I don't respond correctly to to a to to conversation. So I think we all can get better. So this idea of get 1% better, and the way you can get 1% better is buy this book, get this book, and learn from Jacqueline, her expertise. Again, it's the non-obvious guide to better presentations. Uh, and again, the things that we have to work on are not so obvious uh, sometimes. So we have to think about these things. And so this book helps us uh, figure that out and get better. So Jacqueline, how can people find out more about uh, you, your company, and this new book? The company's Farrington Partners, farringtonpartners.com, and I'm on LinkedIn. That's the best place to, to reach me, Jacqueline Farrington on LinkedIn. And the book is on all major booksellers. Okay, very good. And we're going to put links in the show notes for all those resources. And again, I highly encourage you, if you're thinking that you want to get better at communication, at, at presentations, this is a book that you want to get. You can get in contact with Jacqueline, reach out to her on LinkedIn and uh, learn how to get better. Get that 1% better this week, this uh, month or this quarter. And again, everything we do in leadership is about continuous improvement and always getting better and improving our effectiveness as leaders, as communicators. So uh, this has been a great conversation, Jacqueline. I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your expertise in communication. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well.
Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. Touchdown! On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid.